Hey everybody, Chris here. Just a quick heads up. In this episode, we have some audio issues. And by we, I mean I apparently didn't have my mic hooked up correctly or my settings correct or uh, the internet, as it sometimes does, didn't work perfectly. So maybe this will help you appreciate what good sound actually is. All right, let's do it. Season two of Breaking Beta is brought to you by Gnarly Nutrition. After the episode, use the code BETA15 for 15% off of your next order at gonarly.com or click the link in your show notes to have the code automatically applied. Gnarly Nutrition. Push your possible with science-backed, delicious sports nutrition. Oh, oh, no heavy lifting. I got it. It's okay. I got it. Jesus. We got in there, cinder blocks. Half million in cash. <laughs> That's the spirit. <laughs> I got it, I got it. <laughs> no heavy lifting, Paul. That's that's the advice. I know that you're doing a sport that asks you to get into really demanding, potentially compromised positions, especially for your shoulders that often require you to use extreme strength. But for God's sake, no heavy lifting. It's dangerous. You'll just hurt yourself. So dangerous. <laughs> All right. We, we are sitting here today and discussing... Uh, one main paper, but we've also got a couple of others that we've looked at that I want to talk a little about. So uh, the main paper that we're looking at today is application of closed kinematic chain exercises with eccentric and strength exercises for the shoulder injuries prevention in student rock climbers, a randomized controlled trial. I should have taken a bigger breath <laughs> before okay. I tried to read that. This may be the longest uh, title we've seen yet <laughs> in the papers we've done. One that I had to read multiple times to even understand. <laughs> um, authors are Serhai Kozin et al. Uh, journal is Acta of Bioengineering and Biomechanics 2021. And the purpose was to determine the influence of a program containing exercise in a closed kinematic chain, eccentric and strength exercises on injuries of student rock climbers. Um, the other papers we're going to be looking at and I don't know if I said this or not. 2021 is when that paper came out. But the other papers we're going to look at are uh, shoulder pathology on magnetic resonance imaging and asymptomatic elite level rock climbers. Cooper et al. The Orthopedic Journal of Sports Medicine 2022. So new paper. Purpose was to determine the prevalence of atypical findings on MRI and shoulders of asymptomatic elite level climbers and to evaluate the association of these findings with clinical examination results. And this study was done at the Stedman Clinic in Vail with 50 climbers, 21 of whom were women. And just a note here, the word elite used in the study meant 5'11 and up, so not the same as elite in the IRCRA guidelines. Um, which is a little frustrating to me that a paper can come out in 2022 from a clinic that, you know, is renowned and not actually look into the way that the Climbing Research Association is using these numbers. Yeah, moving forward, we're going to need consistency. Just like that's going to make everything so much easier and just like be able to just interpret things a lot quicker if we can. Yeah, totally. Up, yeah. 
And the next study we'll be referring to here and there is a study that I actually really liked. It was done on 21 women, uh, looking at some of the same IRCRA tests that we looked at recently and showed the power slap is a good predictor for women as well. So that power slap just keeps coming up. Um, but it also included a novel on-the-wall lock-off and diagonal reach test that the authors theorized showed static shoulder girdle strength. And that paper was titled The Strength of the Shoulder Girdle Flexor in the Prediction of Women's Climbing Performance by Jan Kodeshka, I believe, and G.T. Vallis, uh, Sports Studies Journal 2016. Aim of that study was to clarify the relationship between the strength of the shoulder girdle and the flexors of the fingers and the climbing performance of sports climbers. That study I had to translate um, from Czech, I believe, and it the you know I, some of the translation was questionable. The format was a little strange because of the translation, but overall, I I kind of really liked that paper, and it was really fun to see one that was all women. Yeah, I think that's you know you don't see that often, so. It's cool to, cool, cool, cool to look at it that way. Yeah. And it was a really smart paper. Mm -hmm. So, all right, uh, let's get this thing going. You clearly don't know who you're talking to. So let me clue you in. I'm Paul Corsaro. I'm Chris Hampton. Lucky two guys are just guys. Okay. And you're listening to Breaking Beta. Where we explore and explain the science of climbing. And with our skills, you'll earn more than you ever would on your own. We've got work to do. Are you ready? Ready, 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 ready? I am indeed ready. You? You know, the the new Kendrick Lamar album came out this morning. Um, I listened to it. It got me a little hyped up. And honestly, this paper has the most red highlights I've put in a paper in quite some time. Um, so, Yeah. I'm, I'm ready, man. I interpreted it as red as in past tense of read, but then I, oh. and, I and I was confused for a second. I was like, Oh really? We're going to have a lot to maybe, uh, have to hash out here, but no, it's a, I think we're on the same page here. So. Yeah, actually it's, I guess it's a like bright neon pink highlighter, but yeah. <laughs> red, red just seems like a, a better term for what in the hell does this mean? You know, the hell's that supposed to mean? So yeah, there's a there's some interesting things going on in this one for sure. Yeah, totally. Um, and you know, I think before we even start, um, we're we're mainly looking at, like I said, the the application of closed kinematic chain exercises on shoulder injury prevention. We're looking at that paper. Um, I think it's asking a really important question, right? Mm -hmm. um, many of the papers we've looked at this season and the previous season mention shoulder endurance as a defining trait of the better climbers. And the paper from Kodeshka uh, that we had to translate finds that specifically in women, it's one of the best predictors. The Cooper paper on the MRI results shows that a pretty large percentage of climbers have some sort of pathology, which is as slippery a word as injury seems to be in their shoulders, um, ranging from tendinosis to tears. So, how to keep the shoulders from getting injured and how to effectively strengthen them, I think are really good questions to be asking. Yeah, I think so too. And especially going back to the uh, shoulder pathology study, 
I think, you know, as we refer to that, I think it's important to note that the, that study was done on asymptomatic climbers. So these are people who came in, didn't report that they had any issues with their shoulders. They felt good. There was no pain. So, you know, all the pathology that we may mention in this study, like it really didn't affect them or they really didn't notice it at all. So, um, yeah, just keep that in mind as we refer to that paper as well. Yep. Totally. Um, you want to take us through the methods here? (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. In a scenario like this, I don't suppose it is bad form to just flip a coin. All right. So uh, for the uh, closed chain kinematic shoulder exercise paper, uh, the researchers took 84 male students. Again, all male, no female. So, you know, throw that asterisk in there. Um, yeah. Took- this, is a, this is a 2021 paper, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, just, yeah. Uh, just checking. Yep. All aged 18 to 19, um, they were engaged in rock climbing at an amateur level. Wasn't a whole lot of specifics about that, so I don't really know. I don't think we know what that means. Um, But yeah, so amateur levels, I think um, if I look through it, okay, so they've been climbing on average for, you know, a little over two years, I would say, is what they said. Um, But they took these 84 students, put them into two groups, a control group and and an intervention group where they're actually doing the program proposed in this study. Uh, so for the control group, it ended up having 44 people in it with the average uh, time climbing of 2.4 years in the interme- or, uh, intervention group. I'm sorry, I misinterpreted my uh, abbreviations there. But the intervention <laughs> group had um, 40 uh, subjects in it with an average of about 2.2 years of rock climbing. And so for this paper, they looked at um, the six months prior to applying the intervention and had them report their shoulder injuries or issues they had. So, and how they reported these injuries were, um, you could either have a minor injury, which is an injury that healed in less than a month, in one month, a medium injury, which was an injury that had healed in two to three months, and complex injuries that healed within six to twelve months. And you know, I guess that's one way to describe those injuries. <laughs> um, I thought the same thing, like. How are you going to determine the severity of an injury based on how quickly it heals? You know, because if you're an idiot and you just keep injuring it, it could heal in seven years. You have, you know, the hell's that supposed to mean? I'm going to be using that clip a lot in this episode. (laughs) But um, yeah, so they went into um, so they looked at the six months prior to applying this uh, protocol and had the had the subjects report the, you know the injuries they had at various um, degrees of severity uh, before the protocol, and then they went into a year of applying this protocol to their training, which you know I think is pretty cool. That's a long time to keep things rolling. Um, so what they did, both groups trained about three to four times a week. Uh, I think over the ter- the time of the uh, the entire year of applying this protocol, it was 150 sessions in each group. So cool. They kept that number pretty the same between two groups. So um, the control group didn't do anything before their climbing training session. Again, there wasn't a whole lot of specifics on what the specific actual climbing was in this paper. Right. right. Um, you know, I think they mentioned a couple times that they were the same, uh, but yeah, again, we don't really know what they did there. But the in the intervention group, the intervention was a short uh, battery of exercises that took about 15 minutes beforehand that they did before their training, um, their climbing training session. And this consisted of TRX push-ups and pull-ups. Uh, they called it a couple different things. That's basically what they were: suspension, suspension rows and push-ups, 
where they perform 10 to 20 reps depending on the ability of the individual. Um, eccentric pronation, so where you're holding a dumbbell with the forearm supported and you're going to let that thumb turn inward and resist. Um, five to 10 reps depending on the ability of the individual. And then pull-ups, five to 20 reps depending on the ability of the individual. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I think there could have been a bit more uh, work done to standardize this some. Um, and, you know, I had to like question some things about what I thought I knew. And it turns out I did know. But um, about uh, what a closed kinematic it, chain yep, is. That's around yeah. I was like, you know, like, ah, I don't really know if I would put suspension exercises or eccentric pronation exercises yeah, in the closed chain same, category. Same. Um, and I'll, I'll say this again. The hell's that supposed to mean? Yeah, I, mm, I'm not sure. Maybe translation, <laughs> but at the same time, like, you know, that's a pretty, like, that's a pretty simple, like, exercise science term. Like, you know, you learned that year one or even before, you know? So, yeah, like, right away, like, you know, a lot of this stuff wasn't really closed kinematic chain in my book. Yeah, and, they, you know, to be fair, and I, I went down the same path that you did, and they do say... Um, closed kinematic chain, strength exercises, and eccentric exercises. Mm -hmm, so sure. I think it's kind of a one of each thing or something, you know. Maybe the pull-up is a closed kinematic chain. I see. Um, okay. So they're doing it on a bar. Maybe the eccentric uh, pronation is the eccentric exercise, and the strength exercises are the push-ups and the inverted rows. Yeah. Um, that's the best I can come yeah. up with. And I guess my argument there would be like, I really wouldn't put like basic TRX rows and pushups as like a pure strength exercise. I think Same. something needs to be overloaded a bit more. I think maybe that's what you're hinting at with your uh, yeah. clip from the start of this uh, podcast. Yeah, exactly. I, think, I know. So, you know, we, I disagree with maybe the exercise selection and um, you know, some, a lot of the specifics on how to standardize things and, you know, make this a bit more reportable, but you know, I think the overall concept, it does make sense though. You know, let's yeah. take one group through, let's take these two groups, the same type of actual rock climbing, have one of them do an exercise protocol in the beginning. And then, so, and then they would report over that year, again, the injuries and the incidences of these injuries, as long as the severity. And they looked at, were there any differences between uh, the number and severity of these injuries between two groups over that year? Yeah, I, I mean, before we go to commercial here, I, I do have a real problem with the like, the way injuries were reported, you know, mm -hmm. they were just, um, just self reported, essentially, they were uh, by the athletes, the coaches or the teachers. And like we talked about, the severity was determined by how long it took to completely recover from it. So if you have one person who's like, Oh, I this isn't so bad. I'll just climb through this. And another person who's like, I can't climb anymore. I'm injured. Um, you know, they could have the same injury. The person who keeps climbing could have a more severe air quotes injury. Um, but they're going to keep going. So I, I don't really know what injury means in this case. Yeah. And man too, even outside of like, you know, the recovery and how they feel climbing, like what are these people's routines like outside of actual training? How are they sleeping? How are they, you know, handling their nutrition? Cause all of that has an effect on recovery too. So, you know, it's going right. to be really hard to control for that. Yeah, totally. You know, we don't know what these people's jobs were. You know, we know that 
overhead jobs are just as big a contributor to shoulder injuries as overhead sports. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm not so sure that I like the way they're using the word injury here, but you know, it's, it's science. Look it up. It's science. <laughs> and uh, before, <laughs> I think we're just both going to go in on this paper. So maybe we take a commercial break <laughs> and we uh, gather ourselves a little bit. Please. All right, I really need a break here, okay? You know that time when conditions are perfect, just the right amount of chilly and crisply dry, and you're totally focused on the project? You're climbing really well, it all feels amazing, right up until you're crashing and you blow it after you got through the crux for the first time? Yeah, I used to be you. I'd forget to drink water and eat snacks. My energy would tank, I'd get hangry, I'd blame everything but myself. Well, not anymore. Gnarly Hydrate has the perfect amount of electrolytes, natural sugars, B vitamins, and deliciousness to help keep you going all day. Yes, science! Use code BETA15, that's beta one five for 15% off your next order at gonarly.com or click the link in the show notes to have the code automatically applied. Oh, and try the raspberry. You could thank me later. So I'll go back to work, for Christ's sake, okay? All right, we have returned, and we're going to be looking at the results of this paper. You've already heard Paul and I go in on it. Uh, The paper we're looking at is Application of Closed Kinematic Chain Exercises with Eccentric and Strength Exercises for the Shoulder Injuries Prevention in Student Rock Climbers Randomized Control Trial. Again, I should have taken a bigger breath. Let's look we should just call it a randomized trial because I don't think it was really controlled that much. <laughs> Not an RCT, just an RT. <laughs> this this uh, clip is maybe the best use of of this clip for methods so far. Whatever you, whatever you think is supposed to happen, I'm telling you, the exact reverse opposite of that is going to happen. Okay, so the results they they publish in the paper look really simple. Due to their program, injuries were decreased. There were three in the experimental group or the control group, uh, or three in the experimental or intervention group, and 21 in the control group. Um, so if you're just looking at the results, it looks great. Um, looks like, okay, we, we do these exercises, we're going to reduce injuries. And actually, that may be the case. You know, I, I can't say that it's not, per se. Um But this all hinges on what is meant by injuries, and I just don't think they have a stringent enough definition here for me to take much away from it. Yeah, that's yeah. Kind, I was kind of agreeing on the same boat. Like you know, I just personally, from you know my experience as a coach and all that, um, I believe that strength training can reduce the risk of having an injury. Um, Absolutely. But this isn't the paper I'm going to to like pull out. I was like, here, look, this is what it says. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree, man. Um, you know, and in the MRI MRI paper from the Stedman Clinic, um, we see that what we call injury can also be totally asymptomatic, mm-hmm. um, which is really just validating what we already know. I don't think there's a whole lot new there. Um, you know, we've talked about it before. We talked about it in season one, um, but it does raise some questions about the psychology of injury and how we refer to injury ourselves, um, that two people with the same MRI results can have radically different symptoms, Mm -hmm. you know, and is one an injury and the other not an injury. 
how do we define that? And I think this paper needed to define injury, at least how they were looking at it. And they Mm -hmm. don't even do that. You know, I'm not saying they need to, they need to define injury for the rest of time. um, But for how they were determining what an injury was and wasn't, I think they needed to define that. And I don't think they really did. Mm -mm. No. And, you know, without good, clear definitions on things, it's hard to make really, you know, emphatic, clear statements on things, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, They're also, you know, all about the closed kinematic chain here. They keep mentioning it. Um, But there was, there was no control group doing exercises that aren't in an, in a closed kinematic chain, you know, that didn't include that. So, so it's tough for me to say um, closed kinematic chain is better than other exercises. Um, I know there are some other papers showing that how important that is. And I agree completely, but I don't think this paper really did. They didn't do much of what they said they were going to do in my Mm -hmm. opinion. Yeah. Like I had to keep going back and like rereading the titles. Like, did I miss something? Like, am I just misunderstanding? But, um, yeah, like it's just it seems like they. <laughs> oh man, it seems like you know uh, when you got to write a paper and you need to hit a word count, like and they yeah. got you know eighty percent of the word count in the title. Yeah, maybe there wasn't a whole lot of content to really yeah. add on. Um, you know what? When I first started reading this paper, Nate was sitting across from me. Uh, he was here recording some board meetings, and I just pushed the paper in front of him and was like, "Read this paragraph," and please try to explain to me what the hell they're talking about. And I'm going to read the paragraph. Um, this is in the introduction of the paper. The paragraph is currently, there's also some controversy in the use of various means to improve the quality of climbing and the possible prevention of injury. <clears throat> Setenkaya et al. found that modern tools used to improve the grip of fingers to rocks and rock climbing on natural terrain chalk degrade the condition of rocks. The authors recommended talking with climbers and motivating them to use other means, but other remedies are not popular with climbers and their effectiveness has not yet (laughs) been proven. Therefore, the development of a special injuries prevention program in rock climbing is of particular importance. What is that supposed to mean? What? 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 What does chalk have to do or whatever axe you have to grind with chalk here have to do with injury prevention in rock climbing. Yeah, that's a a little bit of a leap there, I would say. What? (laughs) I I haven't the slightest clue what in the hell they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, stuff like that throughout like the whole paper. Just come on, man. Um, They also mention in here, they keep saying that these exercises are specific to climbing. Um, one of the novel things they do is use exercises that are specific to climbing. And again, that's just blurring the line too much for me. Um, the way we use the word specific in this case mm-hmm. is a little bit appalling, I think. I mean, um, they're push-ups, rows, and pull-ups. Like, I mean, I wouldn't say those are specific at all. Yeah. The, the one thing they do that's specific to climbing that I also found troublesome is they keep making the statement that there is a correct technique for hanging on to a hold and an incorrect technique for hanging on to a hold. Um, 
That's what I was going to say next. I had that pulled up too. We're on the same page here. Yeah. yeah. They, they educated um, the people on what was correct and what was incorrect. And red flag. Essentially, it's just a, a, you know, locking your scapula down while you're hanging, not to hang disengaged, but instead to pull that scapula down and back, you know. And personally, I'm a big fan of strengthening that scapular pull. Mm-hmm. that they call the correct technique, but not because it's correct. Um, the, the reason I'm a big fan of strengthening it is because when you latch a hold at full extension or you latch a hold as you're falling away, then in order to be the most effective for the next move, you need to first pull with that scapula to begin that move. Usually, you know, yeah. it's not always the case, but as you get to harder and harder climbs, you're going to be latching at things of latching things at full extension. It's and- just a fact. From a non-specific view, just like from biomechanics, like to get overhead, that shoulder blade needs to rotate upward. There needs to be some expansion below the shoulder blade and an expansion above to get there. And if all you're doing is compressing everything and driving that shoulder blade down and refusing to let it rotate up or get into that, get into other positions, like what happens like in higher climbing, like you said, when you do get in that position and as inevitably you will, you're not prepared for that position. Right. You know, things could happen. Yeah, totally. You know, it's a movement we do regularly. So why not strengthen it? Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of that. But to call it correct is just not supported. Um, you know, we're, we're constantly looking to primates in order to learn to move better as climbers. You know, I see that all the damn time. Find me a video of an orangutan swinging with a packed shoulder or, or dropping off because his technique was incorrect. Find me that video. You're not going to. I'd like to see an orangutan do a drop knee. That'd be kind of cool. Hell yeah. Um, (laughs) What would you, because we're both just going to trash this paper, I think. I mean, um, I don't, at the same time, I don't want to feel like I'm completely trashing it because I do. I'm fine with completely trashing it. (laughs) I do agree with what they say at the end. I just can't use how they got there as a good argument yeah. for that. Like, I don't think Same. this backs up what they're saying, although I agree what they're saying, but yeah, just like this could have been done better. Totally. I, I, I like that they, they're looking at this. I think it's an important question. I agree with what their suggestions are. I just don't think the paper really got us there. Yep. Um, what would you rather see in a paper like this? If you if you got to design the study, what would you rather see? I would like to see, instead of trying to combine all of the exercises, I would like to see them focus on a couple actual closed chain exercises. I'd like to see them load it up and actually load things up. Like, you know, yeah. outside of people who are, you know, maybe earlier on in their strength training journey or just strength development. I think it's really hard to use suspension systems to truly overload the body for strength. Totally. Um, so I'd like to see some, you know, more higher levels of loading in the movements and then, you know, some mm-hmm. more specifics with the injury, maybe like a pain scale or, or I don't even know where you'd go with that. That would have to require some, some thought more than just a one-off, but yeah, better definition and reporting of injury a lot more on the front end for, uh, standardizing where people are coming from, what they're doing with their training and um, yeah, just better exercise selection. Yeah. And I, I agree with that completely. I have those pretty much those exact same notes here. And um, I also think 
maybe somebody doing it. I mean, it's clear that the person who spearheaded the study is a climber. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the figures of someone doing the exercises are actually of the author of the paper doing them. And it, it just occurs to me that maybe they are more interested in climbing than in research for climbing because they, you know, they didn't use any of the IRCRA guidelines. It's a brand new paper. I would like to see this done by somebody who's actually tapped into what other research is being done and um, essentially what the guidelines are that have been put forth by this uh, research association for climbers. Mm -hmm. And I'd also like to see someone who's really smart, way smarter than me, uh, who can think outside the box, tackle this correct technique question um, mm-hmm. that, that keeps popping up in random places. It, it's a slippery thing. And I'd like to see somebody really tackle that as well. Do you think we'll ever get a definitive answer there? No, I don't. Um, but I would like to hear the discourse on it. Yeah. You know, um, I'm a big fan of questioning assumptions, like I mentioned before. And there are some people who are just like, this is the correct tech. You're climbing with incorrect technique. <laughs> And I'm like, wow, I, I don't believe there's such a thing to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for me, this one was a big miss. Yep. Yep. Right there with you. Um, yeah. A couple good things I'd say about it. Like I said, you know, I do agree with what they're saying. Um, I think at a 3000 mile view, I think the setup was interesting where, you know, six months prior record, you know, whatever we're looking at. And I'm just going to say it's extremely general because I don't think the injury recording was useful that much. Right. But whatever right. we're looking at, whatever metric we're looking at, let's look at it six months prior for both groups. Let's take it into a year of examining this, which I think is a good long time to look at something. Like I think you can get, you know, maybe some clear messaging out of that if you're looking at the right things. But yeah, six months prior, you know, split them into randomized groups where at the start of this intervention, the differences weren't really that significant. So, you know, we were pretty much starting from an even ground. And then we had a year of looking at something. I think that setup is great. It's just, Same. you know, the the input into that system maybe wasn't. Yeah, not quite stringent enough. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't maybe wasn't completely thought through. So I'm yep. um, glad they're doing it. Wish they would have done it better. Yep. I think that's where I stand here. And application-wise, I'm I'm taking nothing from this that I didn't already believe or didn't already do. Um, I think common sense in this case, just common sense and studies from other sports um, trump this study for me. Yep. I'm right there with you. We're going to keep strength training. We're going to keep doing things. But uh, it's not influenced by this paper. Yep. Totally. All right. Um that was easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny that we both come to the same conclusions here. Uh, you can find both Paul and I all over the internets by following the links right there in your show notes and your pocket supercomputers. And you can find Paul at his gym, Crux Conditioning in Chattanooga, Tennessee. If you have questions, comments, or papers you'd like for us to take a look at, hit us up at community.powercompanyclimbing.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, leave us a review, and please... Tell all of your friends who don't have time to climb because they're doing dozens of wacky exercises with the one pound dumbbells that you have the perfect podcast for them. And we'll see you next week when we discuss movement quality in sport climbing and whether or not we can effectively measure it. 
Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. It's done. You keep saying that, and it's bullshit every time. Always. You know what? I'm done. Okay? You and I, we're done. Breaking Beta is brought to you by Power Company Climbing and Crux Conditioning and is a proud member of the Plug Tone Audio Collective. For transcripts, citations, and more, visit powercompanyclimbing.com slash breaking beta. Let's not get lost in the who, what, and whens. The point is, we did our due diligence. Our music, including our theme song, Tumbleweed, is from legendary South Dakota band, Riff Lord. This is it. This is how it ends.